This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Geekscape is welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan London, and welcome to a Geekscape special. It's me sitting down with my uh, friend and fellow filmmaker, John Swab, to talk about his brand new movie, One Day as a Lion. It stars Scott Kahn. It was written by Scott. And it also has J.K. Simmons, Frank Grillo, and a, a big cast in it. Uh, it's kind of like a modern noir crime movie. Uh, it's fun, and it's out right now in select theaters and uh, on the 7th on VOD. So April 4th, uh, select theaters, April 7th, VOD, if you're watching this as soon as we dropped the episode. And I appreciate it if you uh, are subscribed and listen to these things as soon as I drop them. It really means a lot to me, and it helps our numbers. So as you listen, if you dig our conversation, go and write like a five-star review or something or share it with your friends or tell them to subscribe. That always helps us out. Uh, But for now, just sit back and listen to my conversation with John as we talk about his brand new movie, One Day as a Lion. Geekscapist, I'm here with my buddy John Swab. He's got this new movie, One Day as a Lion. It's in select theaters April 4th. So when you're listening to this, check your local listings. And uh, it comes to digital April 7th for those of you who can't make it to the local theaters to watch this. Uh, John, tell me about the movie, dude. How did it come to you? Uh, Putting it together, how is it different than the one that came before it, Candyland? Uh, And how is it similar, too? Because you seem to tell stories on like the fringes of this society, right? Like people in and out of like kind of, that's where your crime stories come from, huh? I guess so a little bit. Yeah. So um, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, the, the script came via Jeremy, my manager producer, who was a uh, uh, known Scott's agent for a long time. And Scott's agent reached out to Jeremy um, as a producer. He saw that, you know, that, that makes movies and gets them done. And um you know, sent him the script to see if you'd be interested in producing it. Jeremy read it. He uh, he enjoyed the script. He met with Scott. He and Scott got along. And then somewhere in that conversation, my name came up as a potential director. And um, I read the script. It reminded me of a lot of movies uh, that I grew up loving in the 90s, action comedies, indie films from the 90s. Um, and 
you know, I met with Scott. We had discussions about it. We got to work on the script, and here we are now. So, and, and, I mean, when you think about like even your your first short and the movies you made since, when I, when I when I say like the similar landscape of your films, right? This the the people in and out of of crime or kind of like looking for a way out. Um, how is this movie different? I think it's got a comedy element to it as well that like Scott threw in there in this kind of hapless. Uh, guy who keeps falling into this life. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, it's there. There's certainly uh, themes and, and elements that are um, through lines uh, in all of my films, um, but this one certainly has is, is a lot more lighthearted, I think, and uh, you know, more more fun, I guess you would say, uh, a little bit broader appeal. Um, so yeah, it was that was kind of what drew me to it is that uh, you know Scott's got a knack for writing really good characters and uh, witty dialogue and uh, just it's a lighthearted movie um, that, you know, felt like a nice exercise and something to try. So it starts with somebody getting shot, man. I don't know. Lighthearted. I think we're, I think we're on different. <laughs> I think we have different uh, interpretations of how light some things are. I mean, Geekscape, if you're into like kind of like the crime and like noir stuff, especially this is a modern noir, like straight up. Um, it, yes. Uh, like, Scott, this reminds me of the characters he played in the Oceans movies, where he's 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 trying, man. He's trying. He may not have all the the faculties, but he's trying, and uh, just can't get it like out of his own way. And then you've got characters like you know J.K. Simmons's character, Frank Grillo's character, and you know they're gonna have it out for him. Those are some heavies. When did they get involved in the movie? I mean, Frank had acted for you already. Yeah, uh, this is my fourth movie with Frank, so. No, but but it all started with Scott and uh, and, you know, we knew he was going to play Jackie Powers. Um, and from there, there were discussions about, OK, well, who's going to play these other roles? And, and you know, amidst all of those discussions, um, J.K.'s name came up um, and Scott knows J.K. So he called him and asked him if he'd read and J.K., you know, enjoyed the script and was gracious enough to come down and give us his time and, and play Walter for us. And he did a great job. And then, um, you know, Frank, Frank and I, you know, it's totally okay. Geekscapist, that's John's dog and dogs are allowed here. So it's all good. Uh, <laughs> thanks. John muted it, but you don't need to meet your dog, man. All right. We love dogs here. All right. I've been, they've been, they've been <laughs> Put the dog on the screen. Let's talk to the dog. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they've been cooped up all day, so they're getting a little restless. But, uh, Yo, wait, what, what kind of dog? And then we'll get back to how uh, Frank and JK got uh, involved. Uh, one is, a, they're both mutts. One's a, uh, a coon hound mix. Yeah, and the other one is a husky mix. So and you're in Oklahoma, right? Right. They got plenty to run around there. Yeah, like yeah they do pretty well. So okay, so uh, they're not in the film, are they? I didn't see not dogs. these guys. No, you no. got to get them in there. Yeah. Next one. Um, so J.K. comes, he likes it. He gives you a couple of days. Frank, I, I'm guessing, like now threatens you if you don't use him. Uh, film, like something's <laughs> going on. Uh, to some extent, yeah, but actually I, how that came about is um, uh, Jeremy went to dinner with, um, with, with Scott and another actor we've worked with called named Eric Dane, and Frank happened to be in town and tagged along, and I, by the end of the dinner, uh, you know, they had told him about the movie, and Frank you know, invited himself and, uh, to play you know, to him. Yeah, so, so it, was, uh, it was a happy accident, and you know, honestly – uh, Frank, he he really did a great job. I'm 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 super happy with his performance. 
Are he and Scott like do they train each other? Because they're both geeks. They're really yoked in this film, and like I know, and you know, you know Frank is. I think I'm friends with Frank on Facebook, and like he's posting all those photos and stuff. And like dude's yoked, and I love it. It's inspiring as you get into like past middle age. You're like, damn, you got to put the work in, and Frank puts the work in. Um, Scott also yoked. Like they had to work together on this stuff while they're there, right? Between takes, they're doing push-up sit-ups, that kind of stuff. Yeah, lots of uh, <laughs> whatever that yoga is, where you know you lift the person up and uh, you're on your finger. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, there was some of that going on. But um, but yeah, they're both in great shape, man. You know, and it's uh, you know, they're both middle-aged guys that uh that work really hard at it. So it is inspiring. Look incredible. Um, let's talk a little bit about your lenses. Um, you open up, you're using wides on a lot of the stuff in the in the the diner and then when you got scott outside in the car and geekscape is it opens up with this diner and jk's in there having coffee and you learn that scott has been put in a position where he has to come in and, and threaten him for some money and he's got a gun and uh and he goes and sits down across from jk Simmons. um there's a waitress in there that becomes a pretty important character that's kind of the setup you don't know the circumstances of, that have led to scott being in this car trying to talk him into uh, walking into this diner and, and threatening J.K. Simmons. He knows that J.K. is a, a heavy in, around town uh, and that this is a dangerous situation he's in, but he's got to go through it. He's got to get this money. He's got he's to do this job. So that's the setup. Um, I, I think I don't see long lenses until you get them out of the diner and then he and the, the waitress have to, have to connect. Um, there might be a few of them there in the di- dialogue, but I want to talk about your lens choices. And I also want to talk about your use of separation later in the movie, but what's going on with there that first one um so yeah i mean i I, thank you for asking um we used uh zeiss uh prime lenses on this um and you know uh, this movie in particular i really got to focus on composition and framing more than any other um you know having not written it i kind of took on the task of of you know framing and composition is something i really wanted to focus on um, and, you know, specifically like, like Eggleston photos were a big influence for me in terms of, you know, shooting in this part of the country. There's a lot of like forgotten Americana that's available to you to photograph. And it's romantic. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's romantic, dude. Right. Have you ever been to like Twin Arrows on the way on the 40 out towards between L.A.? It's it's out by Flagstaff. Yeah. Just, no, I've driven through there. Dude, and, those, that, and it's like just abandoned. Yeah. It's yeah. Incredible. And you walk around and take photos and you can't take a bad photo there because everything's just this sad romantic echo of what used to be there. Right. Um, sorry, continue. No, no, but that's that's kind of, you know, for me, I mean, the, the movie felt like a throwback movie in the text. Um, so emulating that in the images was important to me. Um, you know, and, and we shot most of the movie on a, you know, a 35. Uh, some of those wides you're referring to were on a 20, 21. Um, you know, but I don't, I don't know that we went any tighter than um, a 50. I'm trying to think of anything uh, tighter than that, that, but I can't. I mean, even on the close-ups and the, and the inserts, we stayed pretty pretty wide. Um, and it felt like it, it felt, it, when things fall, fo- fell out in focus, it was because of proximity to camera. It wasn't because of the actual lens. And, right. and I think that um, the, the Spielberg movie that, that gets overlooked a lot, it, that uses it like, amazingly well as Bridge of Spies. Yeah. And every character in that movie feels like they're under a magnifying glass. Right. And it's just like 
I, I think that the, the wides get kind of overlooked and lumped as like, oh, you're going to use your wides on the establishing shot. You're going to use those, those wide angle lenses on the establishing shots. It's going to be a nice place to get it. But I think the bowing effect that it has on your lines, your horizontal lines, et cetera, in the, in the frame, and then the characters, like it, it creates that magnifying glass look. And for a character like Scott to have that situation in the beginning where he's really under pressure, to do something out of his comfort zone. And in things he knows things are just gonna get worse if he goes through with it or he doesn't go through with it. Um, I thought that choice of wides was awesome. Conscious or just part of your inherent filmmaking talent? No, totally conscious. Um, you know, and and so much so, you know, it's it's funny, you know, this I I had such a good time framing uh, you know, just finding fun ways to frame shots. Not that I invented it in any way, but just kind of going back to even like, uh, you know, movies from the from the forties. Um, you know, where, where these wides would become the close ups. And there's a there's a there's a a phone call that Scott makes after you know he kind of kidnaps the girl, where it's just big wide, and he comes out of the car from this this kind of far away wide, and he walks all the way up into his close up, and mm-hmm. it also serves as a two shot and. And just finding, you know, creative ways to cover a scene very simply, but, you know, making a very simple image become complex just by the way you're staging the actors in the frame. Um, And, you know, because of that whole experience, you know, I'm getting ready to shoot another movie. And I love this 35 millimeter lens so much that we're just going to film the whole movie is going to be filmed on one lens. And just because that that kind of bowing and that Mm -hmm. that magnifying glass you're talking about. um, it just does something so cool and intimate to characters that, that is unique um, that, uh, yeah. you know, I think people go to the long lenses for that intimacy. I think they're like, Oh, they're, it's a really pretty picture. It's soft. It, it, the telephoto looks great. Um, also, it's not fast to shoot that stuff. The amount of lighting you need on a long lens like that. Uh, let's talk about that economy of shots that you had, because when you have like a double that becomes a single or becomes an over or something like that, it, you know, especially like, like the walk and talks, you had or um scenes where you know you're probably clipping through this um you know this is the geekscape is again like one day as a line it's a really well shot movie really well directed movie and it's fun it's like you're, you're gonna see scott doing some stuff that you don't usually remember scott con doing too well uh and he's taking some he's being a bit bold like playing himself as a clown in some places it's fun um it's in theaters april 4th on demand digital april 7th and uh Talk about your production. Like, was it aggressive? Was it? Were you yeah, just, it was. Some super, of those choices had to come out of circumstance. Super aggressive, you know. And again, like, it it was cool. I, I love you know finding new challenges for myself and uh, and and focusing on things that you know maybe I hadn't before. And and I'm not somebody who got into filmmaking um, with what I thought what I think is a great eye for composition or anything like that. It's something that I've learned over time and, and I'm a photographer also, and that's taught me how to, how to frame, you know, a better shot, a moving image too. But, but now, you know, with this film in particular, like I said, it, it, with having removed the writing, um, the ownership of the writing uh, for myself for the first time, I really wanted to take ownership over the image and, and make sure that there was a signature there and something very specific that, that was, mine you know um that you know that i brought to the table and uh and so yeah the the economy of it all that like because and you've seen the movie so you understand this i've seen several of your movies and, this is, and that's why this kind of stuff that you're talking about 
jumped out to me. Right. Where I'm like, oh, he did like a Pokemon evolution, this guy. <laughs> I mean, at least visually, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. does that make sense? I, yeah, not, not to, not to, I mean, I liked Candyland. I like I liked those films because they had texture to them. In, right. And in, in, like you said, like when you photograph these places, you talk about these people, like texture is a beautiful way to convey character. But um, but here you did, I'm just going to call it a Pokemon evolution. Well, that's, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm a nitwit. <laughs> with, with, with Candyland specifically, that was the first time I really invested um, in, and took ownership of the composition and of mm-hmm. the framing in a, in a real, like, like a real assertive way. I mean, I'd done it in all my movies. I had signed off on whatever frame we were going to do or set it up, but actually making it my own and identifying it as a signature, as a director, like that's really all you have is that as a director. Um, so Candy, then I started with it and that was like the first time I really, like I said, taken ownership over, but this, I really wanted to, to be specific and, and, and rigid about. And uh, you know, so when we approached shooting it, you know, the way Scott wrote the script is it's very wordy. It's got a lot of rhythm and it moves, it moves. Um, and, and, you know, I feel like the natural way or the, the cliche way to cover a movie like that is with a lot of coverage and over covering it and trying to match your coverage to the rhythm. And the, yeah, you're, not, you're not directing then you're editing. Exactly. That's what I mean. You're directing your movie. Exactly. So I, I didn't want to do that at all. So what I wanted to do was, What's the simplest way to cover this movie? How can I cover this movie in as, as few shots as possible? Like we were talking about where the wide becomes the close-up, becomes the two, becomes the over-the-shoulder, like all that kind of stuff. Like figuring out creatively uh, and visually, like how do I make this thing mine and undeniably mine, you know? So, you know, it was uh, – and, and the best way I could think of, the coolest way I could think of is economy of shooting. And we had 17 days to shoot this movie, so, you know, it was, it was rapid fire. Yeah, so you've got this sequence with Taryn Manning and, and George Carroll. George plays one of your heavies, and Taryn plays the mother of Scott's kid. Who's who, Geeks gave us the 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 movie's a noir. It's got twists and turns. Like there's lots of characters, and they're all kind of on their own journeys, and they're going to bounce each off each other like ping pong balls. And you just got to see the movie to to see how they, everything lands. Um, it is one of the movies. It's one of those sh- scenes where you would shoot it with a traditional coverage, like overs. Um, and I wanted to ask you about the circumstances of it. Um, you, you, you actually shot it with a level of dichotomy and separation. You do it later in the film, but I'm not going to spoil when you do it in a sequence with JK and Frank. Um, where George and Taryn on set together was the, was the, was the hotel, uh, motel was at a stage and the other ones are practical or were like, what led to you shooting those scenes in separation like that? Uh, you know what I'm so- where you di- do the dichotomy scene between the two of them. So they were never on, they were never in the same place. Right. Um, you know, actually, you know, George who plays Dom um, was a last minute casting replacement. We had another actor playing Dom that we actually filmed Taryn's coverage with. And at the last minute we had to swap them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and Taryn's schedule was as such that she couldn't stay around and shoot the coverage with George. Um, as the replacement. So it forced me to figure out like, okay, how am I going to cover this in an interesting way um, that, that falls in line with everything else we've set up as the visual language for this movie and make it work. So that's, you know, was the best idea we could come up with was the way you saw it covered. Um, but it creates a threshold that has to be crossed. Right. Does that make sense? It keeps yeah. it like, and I, I think the cool thing about what you're doing here is 
is is seeing the relationship between those two characters, and then seeing the earlier established uh, ca- you know relationship between uh, Scott's character and I'm gonna uh, and Marianne's character, uh, not Mary- Marianne's character, yeah, Marianne's character, um, in the acceptance of each other. Uh, you're doing that in traditional like in so in, in sharing shots. Here you're doing it in separation. There has to be a level of like acceptance in both both things. You're, I just think that. Sometimes those are lucky accidents. Those happen that way. I, I completely agree, man. I mean, I listen. Th- there were there were a lot of challenges on the movie that 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 forced us to have to cover things certain ways. But in my experience, and one of the things I you know personally pride myself in is you know when you get backed into a corner, how you react, especially when it comes to coverage in a movie, because you know a lot of the time, the right way to do it. Yeah. So it's I'll do it wrong. Right. Right. So I think, you know, uh, understanding the language you've established and, and staying in line with that is kind of the mantra in those moments. Um, and, you know, like I, I, I really like how we covered those scenes and I'm super proud. I, it's, it's awesome that you noticed that um, because it was certainly a moment of like, oh, fuck, how are we going to do this? And then it was like, well, here's the way out. And, you know, it works. So it's, it's cool that, um, that it translated and that it, it fits in and falls in line. So filmmaker talking to filmmaker. That's why I love doing the show, John. And, uh, and I, yeah, those, those jumped out to me, even if they had been not a result of circumstance, they were the right compositions for what those characters were going through at that moment. Right. And, so those decisions got made, whether it's with you you making the decision and being like, hey, this is the way it's going to be, or in conversations with your producer and your and your cinematographer lighting team. Uh, and also credit to the performers. Like, yeah. you're doing it on separate days. You know, yeah. in, in, in obviously, you know, you got pros. So uh, it was great. In Geekscape, again, like, check this movie out, especially you filmmakers out there who want to see, like, again, like, no going into watching this. If you're a filmmaker, they shot this in 17 days. That's an that's an incredibly aggressive schedule, um, you know. A big cast, lots of locations, things they don't tell you to do with seventeen days of shooting. They want you to collapse your locations. They want you to condense your cast. They want you to to to, to make things a little bit more economic. Um, but no, nah, John, don't do that. <laughs> it's a war. You're gonna fight it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great, man. And and that's not even saying that there's stunts and in special in, in effect shots that you have to put in there, as well. Um, I'd love to talk to you, man, about the ending of this movie, but I'm just not going to spoil it with the Geekscapists because I want them to see the film. But, um, but again, like the split narratives that you have going on later in the movie, uh, the resolutions you have for those characters, because not everything ends in a single scene with everyone involved, and then not everything ends in the, in, within scenes of, with shots of everybody involved. There's separation throughout this movie, and. I wanted to talk to you about that stuff, man, but this is what we got for Geekscape. This is, this is what we got. Uh, you know what's next for you? you, you you're working on it now? You're about to, to go into production or what? Yeah, yeah, we're working on a movie. Uh, we're prepping it now uh, to shoot in June. It's called King Ivory, and it is a uh, a movie about the fentanyl epidemic. It's a true story, so we're, we're excited about that. Well, I mean, it's in line with the kind of atmosphere you, you roll with, but uh, i got to tell you, man, that the fentanyl stuff is scary. And yeah. and I love that you're tackling it, man, because I think that's a conversation that we're having, but we, I don't think we know how to have that conversation. That's uh, that's that's you know a lot of what the movie is uh, 
is is trying to do is uh you know have the conversation that nobody wants to have about it you know so and your dogs are gonna be in this one yeah, they're both addicted to fentanyl in the movie oh, yeah. no yeah. I you, oh we made the movie too late yeah. no we couldn't change things yeah. uh geeks us uh john thanks for coming on the show man and talking film with me um one day as a lion again is in select theaters april 4th if you're listening to this right now i posted it on april 4th you're gonna uh go check your local listings you're gonna see if it's playing near you if it's not you're gonna wait a couple days april 7th you're gonna watch it on digital and uh dude thanks for so much for coming on the show and talking to me man i love it thank you so much for having me. <laughs> thanks dude we get real nerdy and i appreciate hey, you i, I appreciate that I, I i it's a it's a breath of fresh air to nerd out on lenses separation composition all that kind of stuff man so oh. thank you. yeah love it dude thanks john all right man thank you jonathan Hey, how great was John? It was fun, right? Nerding out a little bit on the film stuff. Uh, I can't help myself, Geekscapist. I just can't help myself. Well, maybe you're a filmmaker and you got something out of that. Uh, If you did, if you just enjoyed the conversation, again, uh, share it with your friends. Tell them to listen to Geekscape. Subscribe to Geekscape. Whatever they want to do. You can find us on social media. Be a part of it. And you know we have 30 Geekscape shows across the network. From everything from pro wrestling to horror to filmmaking. Uh, We just keep making shows. Uh, so look for that little Geekscape network endorsement. Uh, maybe they're one of our shows. Maybe one of your favorite shows is one of our shows already, and you just don't know it until you see, hey, who produced this? It was, it's Geekscape. Of course I love it. All right. The other thing you got to do is go and watch One Day as a Lion. Select theaters, April 4th, on video, on demand, April 7th. All right. We'll be back with a brand new Geekscape next week. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.